Good morning. Happy New Year to you all. Wow, fun. The whole fam's here. Look at that, Michael. That's fun. Golden's whole fam's here. You never see them all together. They're here for the holidays. Welcome. Not meaning to embarrass you guys, but fun to see you. Um, how's everybody doing? Good? New Year? Yep. Um, well, we're going to do something a little different. We thought we'd start the, the year a little different and rather than just have kind of a straightforward service, we wanted to have a service where we just kind of dedicate the year, dedicate ourselves to the Lord. So it's going to be, we're going to have um, a time of worship and a time of prayer, just kind of offering ourselves to the Lord in this new year. So it's going to look different than normal. And I want to just share a couple things on the front end, and then we'll, we'll move into some time of worship and prayer. But um, it's a new year. Uh, you know, we all approach the new year differently. Um, how many of you in the last week have done some form of New Year's resolutions or self-reflection or oh, here's my changes in the new year? Let's, let's hear it. I'm raising my hand. Some of you have. Okay. I feel like we're about split 50-50, right? So, um, you know, there's two ways to approach a new year. One is to see it as this opportunity to, to activate, to be better versions of ourselves, to move towards reform and improvement and change. Uh, usually the topics of change are health, right? Uh, maybe relationships, priorities, uh, finances. And um, so some of us have engaged in that in the last week. And, um, and then for some of us, a new year is uh, none of that, <laughs> to just say it the other way, right? Some, for some of us, it's, it's just a turn in the calendar. It's a totally arbitrary um, change of date. It doesn't mean anything. I don't see it as really a new anything. It's just another day, and now we have another, now we have a 22 instead of a 21 at the end of our, our checks that we write. You guys still writing checks these days? I don't know if anyone any writes checks anymore, but I, I just wrote one recently. So, um, and, and I would guess, you know, just like there's, there's different ways that even we probably approach the future, depending on how, what our personality is. Like for some of us, I would guess, when we look like to a new year, we look to the future, um, there's a lot of uh, positive energy that we bring to that, positive um, expectation. We see the future as, you know, this kind of a, maybe a canvas that we get to, to bring new uh, work to, new adventures, new opportunities, and so we, we, we just think about the future in a very positive way. It's pregnant with, with opportunity. And for others of us, and this is really just probably based on our constitution, when we think about the future, it just fills us with more anxiety. <laughs> you know, we look at the future and there's just, there's unknown problems that are going to come up. It's, um, it, it's just, we're kind of, a new year is just another chance for the other shoe to drop. You know, that's kind of how we see the future. And so we all experience that in different ways. And what we want to invite ourselves into, what we want to invite you into this morning is, is really a kingdom posture, which is not really uh, positivity or um, anxiety or negativity, but is the kingdom posture of hope. <laughs> that we, we move into a new year and we look at the future with hope. Uh, it's a hope that acknowledges the brokenness of this world and acknowledges that the future is going to provide new ways to experience the brokenness of this world. But it also, it's a hope that's rooted in who our God is, that our God is in charge and our God goes with us into the future and our God is a God who is on the move, to quote C.S. Lewis. He is a God who is always up to new things, who is a faithful God, who will continue to bring his faithfulness into this new year for us. Psalm 23 begins by saying, the Lord is my shepherd, 
right? God, Yahweh, that's the person who shepherds my life. And it ends with the line we just sung. If God is my shepherd, then surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Surely goodness will be chasing, will be running after me because God's my shepherd. So surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And so that's the hope that we move into a new year, that whatever else from 2021 is going to follow us into 2022, and there will be some challenges that follow us, but we can also live with hope that surely goodness and love and mercy will also follow us into this new year because God is our shepherd. And when you have hope in that God, what it moves you to do actually is not first and foremost make resolutions of your own, and it's also not to you know, be passive or to wallow in anxiety. But what hope does at the beginning of your New Year's is just to go to God. Say, God, my hope is in you. And our hope is in you. So we want to just, before we make our plans and, or worry ourselves, whatever we might do, we want to go to you at the beginning of a new year and worship you and pray to you. Because we want to acknowledge that, that the deepest work that's going to happen in 2022, the greatest spiritual work that's going to happen, the, the most fruit that's going to be born is going to be your fruit, not ours. Because you're the Lord, we're not. So we come and we lay ourselves at the throne of you know, your throne and we say, Lord, we dedicate ourselves to you. We offer ourselves to you. We offer this year to you because you're, you've got work that you're going to do. And so we want to join you in that. So that's what we're going to do this morning. It's going to be just a time of, of prayer and worship, kind of just offering ourselves to the Lord. So um, I get to offer just a brief um, biblical reflection, not a sermon, just a biblical reflection, um, to kind of set the stage for what we'll do then uh, for the bulk of our time, which is, is pray and worship. So if you would turn with me to Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. Joshua, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, okay? After the first five. Joshua 5, 13. We're only going to read three verses today. Really short, but really condensed, powerful um, scene in Joshua's life. Little context. Um, this scene uh, is happening right at a big transition in Israel's life, much bigger than the transition from 2021 to 2022. This was the transition from wilderness to promised land, okay? So they had just spent 40 years in the wilderness. The wilderness was a time of great challenge, right? But also God's faithfulness and provision and protection through the wilderness for 40 years. Now they're moving, transitioning from that into the promised land, this unknown future that has all this possibility, right? A land of their own, but also a lot of fear and anxiety. There's, there's giants in the land. There's, there's other people in the land that they're going to have to conquer, and so this, it's this transition moment uh, where Joshua has this really unique encounter. Let me read it to you. Chapter, uh, verse 13. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front, of him, in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing 
is holy. And Joshua did so. This is the word of the Lord. So verse 13 tells us that Joshua was near Jericho. Jericho would be the first major kind of fortress city that Israel would encounter coming into the promised land. So Joshua is probably scoping out the the land, trying to figure out what's our strategy going to be for taking this this city on. And, um, you know, preparing himself really for this almost impossible task ahead of him. You can just think about like the tasks that was ahead of Israel to try to to try to move into a place and, and, and conquer the peoples and that were way more numerous and more powerful than they were. There was a, there was a lot uh, that they were going to have to face that was going to be really challenging. And then you got to think about Joshua himself and the task of leadership that was before him. He was just taking the mantle of leadership from Moses. And I don't know if you thought about this before, but Moses, those would be some pretty big shoes to fill, right? After 40, I mean, how do you... How do you come after Moses? And so I would imagine Joshua has had some, some dark thoughts and doubts in his mind at night as he thinks about, gosh, how are we going to pull this off? And, and do I even have what it takes to be this new leader and to step into Moses' shoes? And he has this really mysterious encounter with this figure, this person, that I think really changed his perspective. And this is the perspective I want to be able to give to us at the beginning of a new year. So he looks up in verse 13, and he sees a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. He sees a soldier, okay? Drawn sword. And uh, we we know, we're going to find out this is actually, this is an angelic being. This is no ordinary soldier, okay? Um, This is a commander of the Lord's army. But Joshua doesn't know this. He just sees a guy standing with a drawn sword, and he's startled. And so he goes up to him, and he says, are you for us, or are you for our enemies? Right? So Joshua's mindset is, well, you've got us, you've got the Israelites, and uh, you've got our enemies. You've got the Canaanites. <laughs> and here's this battle that's going to happen. So whose side are you on? Friend or foe? And uh, the soldier replies, my translation says, neither. Literally in Hebrew, he simply answers by saying, no. <laughs> whose side are you on? Our side? No. Canaanite side? No. <laughs> neither. I am not on either of your sides, or not in the way that you're thinking, but as commander of the Lord's army, I have come. I think the Lord's army being the angelic hosts that belong to the Lord. So I think this person is saying, whose side are you on? That, that's the wrong question. I'm, I'm on the Lord's side. <laughs> Maybe he would ask the same thing to Joshua. Whose side are you on, Joshua? Um, but I think what he's trying to tell Joshua is this is a lot bigger than a battle between the Israelites and the Canaanites. And so this is what he's trying to do is is open Joshua's perspective a bit. You you think, Joshua, you think you have a battle to fight, right? You think you guys have a battle to fight. You're you're hoping um, that the Lord will be on your side. But here's the truth. God has a battle to fight. This This is about him establishing his people in the land. This is something he initiated. This is his plan, and this is his battle. And he's going to use you to, to do that. Uh, but this is his deal. He's in charge. This is much bigger than you, Joshua. But you have the privilege of joining God in his battle. And you have uh, the assurance and the confidence that as you engage in that, ultimately, you're going to prevail because this is his work. He's the one doing this. God is fighting this battle. All that to say, 
what he, he opens Joshua's eyes to is, hey, this, there's a spiritual battle here. And the battle belongs to the Lord, ultimately. So Joshua, I think, um, realizes he's, he's dealing with a supernatural being here. This is no ordinary soldier, right? So he falls down on his face. This is verse 14. He, fall, he fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant, right? What, what do you want to tell me? What, what, what do you want to say next? Now, I was thinking this week, what would I expect I would expect a, a game plan, a strategy for how we're going to conquer these people, how we're going to conquer Jericho, right? Here's, okay, here's the plan. Here's the strategy. And instead, here's the angel's response. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy, which is to say, here's what I want to say to you. Acknowledge the Lord's presence in your midst. Acknowledge the holiness of this moment right? And just worship him. Submit yourself to him. Acknowledge him. Before you strategize, before you fight, before you plan, before you, you come up with what you're going to do, you need to stop and acknowledge God, that he is holy and that this is his battle. And if you remember, this is exactly what God asked Moses to do, right, at the burning bush. When he began his leadership task, he said, take off your sandals. This is holy ground. Before you go to Pharaoh in Egypt, you're going to acknowledge me, and you're going to meet me, and you're going to learn who I am, because this is my doing. And with that, this encounter is over. I want to read to you a commentary that kind of sums it up pretty well. This was a deeply significant experience for Joshua. He had anticipated a battle between two opposing armies, Israelite and Canaanite. He had thought this was to be his war and that he was to be the general in charge. But then he confronted the divine commander and learned that the battle was the Lord's. The top general of the Lord's army had not come to be an idle spectator of the conflict or even an ally. He was in complete charge and would shortly reveal his plans for capturing the citadel of Jericho. How comforting all of this was for Joshua. He did not need to bear the heavy burden and responsibility of leadership alone. By removing his sandals, he gladly acknowledged that this battle and the entire conquest of Canaan was God's conflict and that he was merely God's servant. This massive change in perspective. And if, if you know how the story goes in chapter 6 where they go and fight the battle of Jericho, you realize that in Jericho, God did for the whole nation... Uh, what he did for Joshua in this little scene, which is to show them, hey, this is my battle. You remember how they win that battle? Of course, all he, he just says, hey, just march around the city, right? Six days, just march. That's all you do, march around the city. On the seventh day, march around. The priests are going to blow their trumpets. You guys are going to give a loud shout, and the walls are going to come crumbling down, right? Because the battle is the Lord's. Showed them, hey, this is, this is my work. This is what I'm doing. And so I think this encounter and these, the encounter at Jericho too really, really changed their perspective. And um, the truth is, those of you who have read the rest of Joshua, it did change other things. Like they still had to fight battles. Um, they still had to strategize to capture certain cities. They had to plan. They, they had to fight. Uh, they had to lose people. People would die. They would, have, um, they would go without food at time. They would go without sleep. Right? All the things that would have to happen that would normally happen would, would have to happen. 
And yet they knew that through all of that, through their fighting, through their efforts, through all of that, that ultimately God was at work and he would prevail because this was his battle. And I think, um, I think that's a good perspective. Whenever we look to a new year or just look to the future in general, when we, when we look out and we realize there's going to be new battles to be fought, right? There's going to be new challenges that we're going to face. There's going to be new joys ahead. There's going to be new opportunities that we have, um, that this is God's work. And if that's the case, then, then our first task as a community uh, is, is not to strategize, right? It's, it's not to plan. Uh, it's certainly not to be anxious or to be apathetic. Um, our first task is what Joshua did. It is to engage in what I'm calling hopeful worship. It is to um, take off our sandals today, so to speak. I won't ask you to actually take them off, but um, to acknowledge our Lord, uh, to acknowledge his holiness, to step back and recognize, Lord, all of the great fruit of 2022 is going to ultimately be the fruit that you want to produce, not that I've schemed and strategized to produce. And um, you are the source of all goodness. And so what we want to do is just start this year together by just coming to your throne of grace, offering ourselves to you, dedicating ourselves to you, dedicating this community to you, praying for the things that we, we would love to see, and just plain worshiping you, just acknowledging that you are holy, you are our shepherd, you are our God, and rooting ourselves deeply in our relationship with you. Um, the past two years have been challenging years, as you all know, and um, I think our, uh, and our leadership, both our staff and elders, I think we felt uh, more than ever uh, the truth of Ephesians 6, where Paul talks about the fact that our, our battle is not against flesh and blood, right? But against the spiritual forces of this present darkness, right? There's a, there's a spiritual battle going on. And what that means is, as we move into a new year, that flesh and blood solutions will not be enough. Human solutions will not solve the problems of the church or the problems that'll involve humans. But we have spiritual problems that require spiritual power and spiritual solutions. And I, I look back at the church of my lifetime. I'm 45, but say the last 50 years, I think the church in America, at least, uh, has, has relied too much on flesh and blood solutions. We've relied on strategy. We've relied on talent or charisma or finance uh, or, or just human things. And as the world gets increasingly complex, or it feels that way at least, um, those, those will not win the day. <laughs> the church needs to be a community of spiritual power. Um, the church needs to be a community of the spirit, right? It's God's work. And so what we can do is we can come and just offer ourselves to him and say, Lord, you got to do the work that only you can do in our lives, in our families, in our church, in our world, in our nation. That's what we're going to do for the rest of our time. Just come, worship, just surrender to him, uh, and receive his grace, enjoy him together. And so what we're going to do is um, we're going to have four different people come up at different times and offer different prayers that we'll just... And you'll have time to pray yourself, but we'll be praying first for ourselves, just off ourselves, then we'll pray for our families, and then we'll pray for this church family, and then we'll pray for the larger community and, and things maybe God would want to do through us uh, to those around us this year. And we'll have songs in between, okay? So um, 
I know you didn't come expecting anything in particular today, but this is going to feel a little different. And um, the invitation to you is um, just bring yourself to the next, you know, 40 minutes or whatever we have. Um, Bring your heart, bring your mind, bring your hopes for this new year, bring um, the, the, the griefs and disappointments from last year. Um, bring the sin that is still in you, um, bring your passions, bring all of that to the Lord and present yourself to him and, um, and lean in to a time with our Lord. And this is, we get to do this together. So it's just gathering as a family to honor our father and to ask him for the things we need in the new year. So let me do this. Let me kind of open this space in prayer. And then the worship team is going to come up and lead us in some songs and that'll, that'll move into into some more praying. So let me just pray for this time together. Well, Father, we, at the beginning of a new year, just gather to acknowledge you, to confess your holiness and your goodness and your love, your faithfulness, to lay our hopes, our dreams, our fears, our, our burdens as we move into a new year at, at, your, at the foot of your throne Uh, to ask you for the good things, knowing that you long to give good gifts to your kids, and really just to be with you and to um, start the year from a place of worship, a place of dependence. So we offer ourselves, and we offer this time to you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we stand? We're going to sing two songs to start this. Praise to the Father. Praise to the Father. With every breath I take in joy and sorrow, all for your kingdom's sake. Be thou my vision, be thou my hope restored. Trust your wisdom be 
worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. morning. Have a seat, please. Well, as we reflect on entering into this new year with faithfulness, we want to start by considering our own lives, ourselves. And, uh, you know, about those New Year's resolutions, I'm that guy. Um, and, you know, the great danger for me is I, get, I can get really caught up in coming up with brilliant ideas for what I'm going to do in the new year. But the danger is that I could turn it into a, a big self-actualization project. And, uh, and that's not what this is about. And that's why this Sunday is good for me uh, to start uh, on the right foot. Um, 
To put it another way, I think one of the things we want to try to accomplish today in regards to thinking of ourselves is to ask the question, what would it look like to have a, a renewed dedication to the Lord? Uh, or if we were to offer ourselves to the Lord truly wholeheartedly, what might it mean for the way we live our lives this year? And I think Romans 12 can be really helpful for us as we think about this. Let me read to you what it says. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. And so in this verse, the Apostle Paul tells us the basis for our dedication, the basis for our commitment to God should be in view of all that God has done for us, in light of all those things. And all those things are all those, the, the grace, all the mercy, all the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ, the forgiveness that we have in Christ, his presence living within us that provides us power and transformation and a million other things that we can come up with. It is in light of all of those things that then we respond to him. His grace, his mercy is our fuel for what we want to then do in our faithfulness. And, you know, I say this because it's really easy, as I said, to sort of uh, approach the new year and the things that we want to see changed in our lives or other people's lives from a real kind of wrong-headed uh, perspective. We could easily fall into uh, a moralism, a self-righteous type of, of work, and then we just completely miss the point. But if our worship and dedication to the Lord is to be acceptable and pleasing to God, as Romans 12.1 states, then it needs to kind of have a posture of humility and gratitude and surrender and dependence on God. Not a life of performance for approval, but a life lived as a grateful response to all that he has done for us. 1 Corinthians 6 puts it this way. You do not belong to yourselves now. You've been bought with the Price, a very high price. So what we want to do right now is just to take some time and give you some space to consider, Lord, what would you have for me this year? And just present ourselves as living sacrifices to God. So let's just do this together. Let's just create some space for us to go to the Lord, and then I'll close that time in prayer.
Lord, we present ourselves to you this morning. We want to live our lives this year in ways that are pleasing to you. Lives lived in such a way that reflect our recognition and gratitude for all that you have done for us. We don't want to fall asleep to that reality. But we need your help, Father. Help us that we might not be conformed to the ways of this world, but rather that we might be people who are transformed by the renewing of our minds. Help us that we may be people who seek your will above our own will. Lord, give us eyes to see any areas of our life that we need to surrender to you. Our affections, addictions, idols, whatever it is that we lean on our, or put our hope in more than you. And Father, please give us the faith, the courage, and the conviction that we need to walk in obedience to your call for us. Whatever we endeavor to do this year, we want to do it in you. We don't want to live this year alone or in our own power or as a way to hide from you. We don't want to find our identity in anything but Christ, but rather grounding ourselves in the truth of who we are in you. Lord, we acknowledge we cannot be the people you call us to be apart from the animating work of your spirit within us. So help us abide in you so that your life may flow through ours like a branch that receives its life force from being connected to the vine, bearing rich and abundant fruit, pleasing to you. Thank you for all that you have done for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. To myself, to all this world. 
take a moment now to surrender our families, to pray over our families and offer them to the Lord. And it's interesting, as I was preparing, I was talking to my daughter, and I said, I'm going to be praying for our families. Do you have any ideas of what I should be praying for? And uh, she said, well, tell me what you're thinking, Mom. She's 15. And uh, I said, well, I, you know, listed a few things. And then I said, one of the words I said was patience. And she stopped. Mom, definitely need to pay, pray for patience. So clearly, Drake and I have issues with patience. Um, and you guys can pray for the Levishefs and their patience. Um, but we all have needs in our families for prayer, for God to intervene, to do a work in us. And I was thinking after we're coming off the holiday season with Christmas and everything, we're very aware of kind of some of the brokenness and some of the fracturedness in our families and the places where we need healing in our families. And so I thought we could just take a moment to pause and think about where in your family, whether it's your immediate family or extended family, do you need a ta a, just a touch of God's healing? Um, so let's just take a moment to think about that, and then we'll pray for our families. And as you think about this healing for your families, what might the role be that God has for you? So let's take a moment.
Father, we thank you that you are God who cares so deeply about our families, that you've designed them to be a reflection of your family. We thank you that you are God who heals, that we can trust that you're wanting to do a work in our families to, to repair brokenness, to bring unity. And so, Father, we just ask you to do that work and the things that came to mind for people in the areas where there is pain and brokenness in the family. And, Father, we take time now to just pray over our families, Lord. We pray over the marriages. Father, we just acknowledge that marriage matters so much to you, and it's under siege in our world. And we ask that you would bring protection to the marriages in our community, that you would have your hand on them, that you would draw spouses to one another and not away from each other, that you would bring purity to our marriages. And Father, we think of our kids, our kids and our youth, and we just acknowledge that they are yours. They're not actually ours. And that you have a purpose for each one of the kids represented in this room, that you have a work you want to do in their life. And so, God, we ask that you would draw them to yourself very early in age, that they would want you more than anything else that they're tasting of this world, that you would turn their faces to you, that they could be salt and light at a young age to bring glory to your name. Father, we acknowledge that our our parenting is hard and um, grandparenting is hard and that we need you to come and give us wisdom to show us how to shepherd our families, how to lead our families to you. So, Father, we pray for the parents in this room and we pray for the grandparents in this room and we just ask that you would give them for a vision for what it means to shepherd their families, to truly bring them to you. And Father, we think of the young adults in our community, and we just ask that you would establish them as your people in the world that they're living in. We ask that, again, that you would turn their faces to you, Lord, that they wouldn't be seduced by the things of the world. Lord, actually, I pray for all of us that we wouldn't be seduced by the things of the world. And Lord, I think of anybody in this room who just feels like they have significant deficits when it comes to family, that there's a void there. I pray that you would draw near to them right now, that you would show them that they're seen and they're loved and they're cared for, and that you're doing a work even in those places where it hurts. And Father, we just pray overall for our, our families that you would be um, providing for us, that you would be uh, growing us in peace, that peace would reign in our homes, that you would be uh, providing endurance that you would strengthen us when things are hard. Uh, Lord, may our homes be places of joy where we're so tasting, again, of you and your goodness that we can't help but delight and delight in being with one another as we do that. Um, Father, we want to be our families to be places of hope in this world. May our families here be places of hope. And Lord, we just, we recognize your spirit has to do this work. We can't do this ourselves. So we, again, we ask you to come 
and we surrender our families to you, we surrender our marriages to you, and we just say, do the work that you want to do. Will you lift your eyes with me now, and let's pray this prayer from Psalm 16. These are words from Psalm 16. Let's pray this together. You can pray out loud with me. Dear Lord, keep our families safe. In you we take refuge. You are our Lord. Apart from you, we have no good thing. Lord, you alone are our portion and our cup. You make our lot secure. You counsel us. You make known to our families the path of life. Please fill our homes with the joy of your presence. Keep our eyes always on you. Amen. church family. Um, and so a little bit of a side note, uh, when Dave asked me if I would pray for our church family as the topic, it just wasn't something that I felt super passionate about. Um, and I wasn't super jumping up and down for joy. And so I just took some time with the Lord to just ask what was going on in my heart. Why was I feeling this way? Um, and after taking some time, um, I just felt like the Lord had presented a word and that word was rooted. And so being the person that I am, I kind of looked into what rooted meant. Um, and it means to establish deeply and firmly. To establish deeply and firmly. And so I've found in my own life, when things get hard or difficult, or I tend not to agree with certain people, uh, it's simply easy to just get up and leave and move to a different community. And I have even found this in church. And so if 
For example, we may not like the worship music because it doesn't play our favorite songs on Sunday, or it may be too loud, or if we don't agree with someone in our Bible study, uh, sometimes it's just easy to get up and leave instead of choosing to stay rooted. And sometimes it's just easy to move to the church down the street and to not stay put in a community. And so I felt like the Lord and I had this really encouraging conversation, and uh, it was just an awareness of my own resistance to the idea of church family. And so I wanted to encourage us with this word rooted and to present four questions as we spend time in prayer, um, just to see what the Lord brings to your mind, what he brings to your heart, um, and to just present that to God of kind of taking an awareness intake of what's going on in our hearts. Um, so if you'll close your eyes with me, I will have four questions to ask you as we spend this time of prayer. So the first question is, what comes to your mind when you think about this church family? The second question is, what is preventing me from being rooted right here? What would it look like in my life to commit to be rooted, to be established deeply and firmly in this church community in 2022? And by being rooted, what kind of fresh work could the Lord do in this community if we all committed to being rooted? Father, we present ourselves to you. The church is not these four walls, but it is your precious children united by Christ. Teach us what it means to be rooted. Remind us in moments of disagreement or maybe even in dullness to commit to be deeply and firmly established in this family. This is your design, Father to be in union with each other through you and with you. You have crafted this community with such beautiful diversity and talents showcasing your ultimate creativity. And I pray that you would pour out an abundance of blessings over this community. We desire that your will would be done in this community, Father, that we would just simply get out of the way. Would you teach us would you grow us? And would you just draw us closer to your heart, Father? Because we need it. We need your fresh work this year. And most of all, God, we just simply need you. 
Amen.
Amidst this uh, posture of waiting and uh, commitment of ourselves, commitment of our families and of the church, um, and even in that context of that reminder in that angelic uh, vision in Joshua that uh, we need to stop and get rooted in him, in those kinds of moments there's also a sense of expectation that he might be speaking to us and stirring us outside of ourselves. One of those was actually multiple times in Genesis when Abraham gets a call from God and he says, basically, essentially, you will be blessed, your offspring will be blessed, the generations will be blessed, and through you, you will be a blessing. The whole world, all the nations will be blessed. So blessed in order to be a blessing, confirmed again when he uh, is supposed to sacrifice his son Isaac, and God says, you are faithful in that, so I'm going to bless you and through you bless same thing to Isaac later, same revelation, blessed so that you can be a blessing. And I'm actually thinking of our uh, sermon series on Ephesians. We're sort of walking through that, and you get to that high, high point in Ephesians 2, where um, it says that because of God's great love for us, God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. And then it kind of goes on to that famous, uh, it's by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. But it's a gift from God, not by works that no one can boast. That's the orientation. That's the name, Grace Fellowship Church, this sort of sense that it's all from him. And in the response to that, you know, we live a certain kind of a life. But then it says it moves on almost like as if that's, that's the precursor to verse 10, which is we, were, uh, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us. Blessed that we might be a blessing, crafted in a certain way, a certain wiring that can be of impact to those around us, and executing plans that God has for us, that he prepared in advance for us. Something going on inside so that through us we can be instrumental agents of transformation to the world. And there was a reference to the spiritual battle and the spiritual warfare and the need of the Spirit to guide us. So another one of those things was in uh, Acts 1, Verse 8, where it says, you know, wait, waiting posture, be in prayer, but then the Spirit will come upon you, and then you will be witnesses to Jerusalem, to Judea, to the ends of the earth. Something happens in us so that we are able to do something that we couldn't do. He's prepared something inside us so that when that happens, it mixes with who we are for something, and then there's instructions, but as that says in Joshua 5, that's Wait, like, let's, this is holy ground. There's something happening here, but still instructions are going to come. Jericho is going to fall through you for some crazy reason. Spirit inside us, blessing us and changing us so that we change the world. So then 
The final kind of example of that sort of thing, Isaiah 6, there's this, this story of another one of these, you know, King Uzziah dies and I was in prayer and something was happening. I'm in the temple and there's this whole encounter he has with God. And in the middle of that holy, holy, holy kind of a moment, he realizes, oh, crud, like I'm doomed. Who, who am I to participate in, in, in even to be in the presence of God? So that's not by grace we've been saved through faith, not of ourselves. There's that kind of moment, and then he gets healed. There's, we don't have to go into the whole story, but he says he receives forgiveness for his unclean tongue. And then this really uh, funky thing happens. Um, where he's saying, woe to me, I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people who are unclean lips, and I've seen the holiness of God, the Lord Almighty. Like, these things aren't, aren't matched. And then these seraphim flows over in with live coal in his hand. Uh, he touches my mouth and says, your guilt has been taken and your sin is atoned for. So he has this radical moment of transformation, this internal something, you're doing something in here, and then God lets him in on something. So that, you know, this is one of these moments almost gets back to that Acts 1 where Jesus is saying actually before that, it's better that I go because if I go, then I will give the counselor and the counselor will be in you and you'll be my representatives in the world. So this almost comes as, as a, an indirect form of that, an invitation from God where he says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah says, hey, hey, me, pick me, put me in, Lord. Take me off the bench and include me out in what you've got in store. And then God says, go and tell the people. Now, he gives them a, a, a note about that message. The message you're going to be speaking to a stubborn people might not even listen, but I'm still going to use you to be my instrument. And Isaiah is still saying, here I am, send me. I want to be a part of this. I want to lean in. I want to be waiting, but I'm also waiting expectingly. I'm also expecting to hear, but I'm going to hear and say, even if it's a tough pilgrimage route, I want to be part of what you want to do. And somehow, for some reason, you're going to use me to transform the world. From Jerusalem, the world around me, all the way to the ends of the earth, we are to be his witnesses. And we have the privilege to be part of that. Here I am. Send me. And I, uh, yeah, this has been a particular interesting time for this, I think, kind of a, a posture because we're really in a period of introspection. We're really looking and thinking about what's going on ourselves. Why is this? How is my job like that? Why is these people around me acting in this strange way? Uh, divisiveness, frustration, and just it's easy to just sort of clam up. And God is slowly going to be bringing each of us out of that to change that posture from an internal one to an external one, to a what do you have in front of me. And I actually have a picture we got on, on the top of our bed. Uh, well, it happens to be on top of the bed, but that's where we put it. I think I'm ready for an adventure. Super corny, Hoppy Lobby something ran into it <laughs> and said, no, like that's, oh, I mean, it really looks even worse than it is. Um, <clears throat> But, but it happened in that COVID period. Like there's something, or I, I don't want to miss this pregnant moment where you might be speaking and wanting to do something in me and then through me. And I want to be ready for it. I want to have that waiting posture that's expecting something to happen. 
And, and I think I'm ready for that. That's that Isaiah, here I am to me. I, I think I'm ready for an adventure. That adventure might be to step across the street, talk to the neighbor. It might be the, the stubborn and stiff-necked people that have the other political view than me. I might actually have a, the adventure of engaging in real conversation with them. It might be something more dramatic. You know, in our case, we were uh, six months ago, we're living a fairly stable life here and all of a sudden God uprooted and we've spent half of the last six months on an overseas opportunity, a business in a place of the world that we didn't expect we were gonna be involved in at the moment. I don't even give that as an example to say that that's what it's going to be. I don't know what that challenge is for you, but in that expectation, let's uh, bring that to the Lord. Let's uh, say, here I am. Father, we want to be ready to go. We want to join the great adventure of being your instruments in this hurting world. We want to, the church that we're a part of, to be a part of something that's known for its faithful and courageous and consistent witness. I, I think of Paul's fondness for the church of Thessalonica for whom he said, uh, we always thank God for all of you. Mentioning you in our prayers, we continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we want to see that love that you've given us overflow like springs of living water into life to those around us. We want to be people who uh, dare to take those steps of uh, courage. The rock of all the ages, you make me courageous. And we want to have endurance as well. I think of Hebrews when it refers to, in chapter 11, Abraham as well for that uh, sense of going out and being a pilgrim, it says they, they, they did eventually become new stars, descendants as numerous as the stars around them. The promise was fulfilled. They were blessed to be a blessing, but in the process, they were also living as strangers in a foreign land, living in temporary dwellings, looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder was God. We want to be people who have that faithful endurance as well who dare to be obedient to what you have for us despite uh, whether or not we see the direct fruit from them. We want to trust that you have things you've done in us and things you can do through us, and we want to be obedient to that. Speak to us because your servants are listening. In the name of Jesus.